You are listening to a podcast from The National. For three decades, Omar al-Bashir ruled over Sudan. And then, in just 16 weeks of protests, he was removed from office. The future of the country is suddenly up in the air. This is Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, James Haynes-Young, the foreign editor of The National. And this week, we're talking about the changes sweeping Sudan. Later, I'll be joined by Hamza Hendewi, who's in the capital of Khartoum for the national. But first, how do we get to a point where one of the longest-serving leaders in the region is now in a prison cell? (laughs) Mr. al-Bashir, the former general, seized power in a military coup in 1989. He then forged a regime built for survival through Machiavellian alliances, but it wasn't one built to prosper. He presided over an inept bureaucracy that choked off economic development. Mr. al-Bashir's regime was propped up by large oil reserves, and at times he spent as much as 70% of GDP on the military. That is, until South Sudan became independent in 2011, taking most of the oil reserves with it. His decision to harbour Osama bin Laden led the US to designate the country a state sponsor of terrorism. The US also brought in sanctions for Mr. al-Bashir's crackdown on an insurgency in the Darfur region that earned him charges at the International Criminal Court for Genocide. Closed off from the international community, the country stagnated. When the US finally removed sanctions in October 2017, instead of pumping lifeblood into the country, the Sudanese pound plummeted in value and prices of basics like bread soared. In the end, it was this that sparked the protests. In December 2018, rallies broke out in the town of Atbara, but quickly spread through the country. By early April, a sit-in had formed outside the defence ministry in central Khartoum. The site became the epicentre of the protest movement and kept growing in size. The image of a woman in white atop a car surrounded by a sea of phones leading chants became a defining moment in months of protests. The moment I had occupied that car, I was reciting a poem. The bullet doesn't kill. What kills is the silence of people. On April 11th, the almost unthinkable happened. The military moved against Mr. al-Bashir, removing him from power, detaining him in a presidential residence before sending him and two of his brothers to a prison cell in the capital. On the streets, the protest movement was still swelling in size. In the days that followed, they refused to disperse. Some of those who led the earliest protests chartered a train from Atbara, with people on the roof, hanging from the doorways and leaning from the windows, it rolled up to the site of the sit-in to mass cheers on April 23rd. We're not moving until we release all our, you know, demands. While Mr. al-Bashir and his inner circle appeared to be gone, the people were wary of the military council that replaced them. The appointment of Lieutenant General Abdul Fattah al-Burhan on April 13th was the first sign to some that the change they hoped for might be on track. Those who know him say he has no ambition to rule, and although the demonstrators demand a civilian leadership, the military man has begun carrying out several of the protesters' key demands. He's vowed to uproot the remnants of Mr. al-Bashir's National Congress Party. The military has since agreed a partnership with the main protest group, dubbed the Freedom and Change Forces, to oversee the transition jointly. We want to get to a quick solution to the crisis, the council said on April 30th. The military has, it added, a moral duty to ensure the formation of a democratic state. But the offer of a new 10-member council with seven military officials and three civilians nominated by the protesters 
doesn't go far enough for some of those on the street. We're joined by Hamza Hendewi, the National's Cairo correspondent, who's been on the ground in Sudan. Hamza, what's the mood on the street in Khartoum? I think the, the mood continues to be mostly festive, maybe two weeks uh, or longer after uh, Omar al-Bashir has been ousted. But there is a, a great deal of anxiety as to the way forward uh, for Sudan as the negotiations between the Transitional Military Council and representatives of the protesters are failing to produce tangible uh, results. But I think the mood in general is still upbeat. People continue to celebrate their newly found freedom and the fact that they have finally got rid of a dictator who has been in power for 29 years. And what, what does it look like in the protests? What are, what are people saying? What are they chanting? What are they doing? What's it like on a daily basis? Well, the protest continues. The sit-in protest outside the military headquarters continues to attract tens of thousands of people. But when, when organizers uh, call for more people to arrive, the number surges to perhaps hundreds of thousands like it was last Thursday. Part of the sit-in site uh, resembles um, uh, a, a carnival of uh, sorts with people uh, dancing uh, to uh, music, uh, eating snacks, uh, drinking tea uh, prepared by Khartoum's uh, famous uh, tea ladies. But the political aspect of the sit-in protest continues to be manifested uh, through fervent political speeches, by, uh, by activists, and the chants uh, continue to be anti-regime. There are some chants now that are new that uh, warn against what they call the stealing of our revolution. So it's really a mix. Uh, it is, it is uh, generally upbeat, uh, but continues to have heavy political undertones. Nobody thinks it's over yet, so this might continue for some time to come. And it's pretty hot out there. How are people dealing with the heat? And, and also, are people starting to question what will happen uh, when Ramadan begins next week? Well, well the heat of uh, April uh, is nothing new to the Sudanese. Uh, Khartoum is particularly uh, a hot uh, city, perhaps more so than other parts of uh, the country. So during the daylight hours, when the sun is literally merciless, the numbers thin out. By early afternoon until late in the evening, uh, the number uh, surges. As for Ramadan, uh, one would imagine that the uh, that the numbers at the uh, at the uh, at the sit-in uh, would be greatly reduced during the fasting hours, and that is from dawn until sunset, and will uh, increase substantially after sunset. I can imagine uh, that. Uh, uh, people will uh, eat the, together the meal that ends uh, the fast. The people will eat the uh, late-night meal or pre-dawn meal that prepares them for the next day's fast. And I, I believe festivities will continue, the political fervor will continue, but not during daylight hours. And speaking to people on the ground, what exactly do they want now? I think what the protesters and their representatives want is quite simple. We have made this revolution possible. We made sacrifices, many sacrifices indeed, in terms of people who actually were killed by security forces, the thousands who were injured, and the thousands who were detained and tortured. What they want is a civilian government, an administration in which civilians are indeed in charge. The military wants something else. The military 
wants to head and be the majority of the so-called sovereign council. That's a body that is being proposed by both sides that would rule, that would have sovereign powers above the cabinet and, and the legislative councils that they propose to set up. Uh, the military are often something different, and the, uh, the protester leaders are insisting that they should be at the helm of this country, having been under military rule for most of the, uh, of the six decades since Sudan became independent in 1956. And neither side, at least for now, is budging, but that also might be a negotiating tactic. But the next few days are crucial. I think everybody expects some sort of an agreement before the onset of Ramadan. So UAE uh, Minister of State for Foreign Affairs, Anwar Gargash, um, has cautioned against a situation uh, where the country descends into the kind of chaos we've seen elsewhere in the region in the wake of mass uprisings. Um, but equally, the, the African Union is, is talking about 90 days um, for a civilian government as a deadline. How do, the, how do we balance those two things now? And, and what's the path forward, do you think? I think the warning against Sudan going onto the destructive path that countries like Syria, uh, Libya, and Yemen uh, went to is a legitimate, is a legitimate concern. But uh, on, on the other hand, uh, it is, is Sudan, like any other country, has its own particular circumstances that are unique to the country, its ethnic and religious makeup. And, and the power of the civilians. Uh, political parties in Sudan are, are fairly well organized. Uh, so are the unions. And judging by what I have seen and heard, those who have led the uprising against President Omar Bashir are politically savvy, and they are by no means uh, reckless. This country has been torn apart by armed conflict uh, from as early as 1955, that's one year before independence from Anglo-Egyptian rule. And uh, the people of Sudan are, are, are aware of the dangers, but I do think that the, both sides, that is the military and the leaders of the protests, will eventually find common ground. Right? The civilians are not saying that we want the military to have nothing to do with running the country. No, they don't. They, they do acknowledge that there, are, uh, there is a role for the military, an important role, but they also want to give uh, civilians a chance uh, at running uh, this country. I think, like I said earlier, the next few days or maybe the next few weeks will, will show us which way the country is going. But I, 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 I seem to... Uh, I seem to uh, discount uh, uh, any scenarios that would be similar to what's going on in Syria, Libya, and Yemen. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think in Sudan it's rather far-fetched. That was Hamza Hendawi in Khartoum. It's 30 years since the start of Mr. al-Bashir's rule, five months after the protesters took to the streets, and nearly three weeks since he was forced from power. Now, for the first time in many of the protesters' lives, they, alongside the military, taking part in a process that will shape the future of their country. Thanks this week to Hamza Hendawi and Khartoum. Subscribe to Beyond the Headlines on Apple Podcasts or any of your favourite podcasting apps. For the latest on this story from Hamza in Sudan, and for all the latest news, check out thenational.ae. I've been your host, James Haynes-Young. Join us again next time.